Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the obstacles you face? Well, you're not alone. The Resiliency Ninja is here to help. Allison Graham is a speaker, author, and business coach. But most importantly, she's on a mission to give you tools to succeed in times when it feels like life sucks. Now, here's your host, Allison Graham. Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Allison Graham. And of course, with this podcast, my goal is to give you the tools and inspiration you need to be resilient every day so that the challenges you face don't get in your way of success. And thank you so much to everyone across the globe who is listening. We're really starting to get some momentum in the listenership and people reaching out to me. And it's just been amazing. If you do love this, please help keep the momentum going and let your friends know about it by sharing or uh, giving a review or liking whatever on whatever po podcast platform you prefer. And I, I know a couple podcasts ago, I joked and I said, uh, because if you're listening to this when you're driving, you shouldn't be sharing and liking right after you're done listening. So I always remind you now, this is my new thing to say, hey, Siri, remind me to review Allison Graham's podcast. So see, I can give you that, that to uh, get started. So if you'll do that, that would be amazing. And today's guest is someone who you are absolutely going to want to share this interview. I am excited to have Gabriella Ribeiro on the line. Hello, Gabriella. Hey, how are you? Awesome. And now... I'll give you a little bit of what uh, Gabriella does, and, and it's really, she's someone who's a serial entrepreneur, I would say. And not only that, she's a single mom to an amazing 10-year-old girl who uh, travels with her very often, which is great because Gabriella is a globally curious, frequent traveler, wanderer, and adventure seeker. Uh, she runs several businesses simultaneously and is passionate about entrepreneurial lifestyle. We will dive into what that, that means Hello. Hey, I'm, I'm here. I love the way you described it. So we're good. We're going to start off good. Right. It's like, <laughs> and, my life. <laughs> and where do we go from there? Uh, okay. So yeah. let's start the one business that when we first met, I was most intrigued by is your travel business, which is like, you really do specialize in people getting away for 48 hour nurture blocks or adventures what what's that all about exactly um you know I, I a lot of my businesses revolve around travel and um i've always been kind of like i move really fast i call myself like type a plus 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 so um i've always been the type i guess because of you know i had parents in the travel industry we just always just went when there was a ticket or an opportunity we went so it was not uncommon for me to just disappear for a weekend at any time in my life you know, when I get old enough and just sort of say, okay, you know, I'm feeling a little down or I need, I'm restless. I'm just going to go to London or I'll be in Madrid this weekend. Or, you know, and people used to look at me like I was crazy, but I said, you know what? Like I read so easily and I can do so much in two days. Why can't I convince other people who always claim they never have the time to be able to do this too? So actually 
on a boat um, in Loch Ness searching for the monster as, as one does or as I do <laughs> <laughs> and with my daughter. And it was, it was just funny because we had done so much. We went to Scotland for like three days, but you know, the first day was just kind of like, you know, she wasn't feeling great. So in two days we had done like, you know, we had hiked cliffs, we had gone to Loch Ness, we made scones, we had sushi and what, you know, we had so many weird things that we did in that time. And I did a Facebook live while on Loch Ness and I, some reason like that the name just came to me like a 48 hour power john I remember it's still on facebook and i was like when i get home i have to do something and of course i did it on the plane like <laughs> home and i said i have to because i ran around when she was like seven or eight at the time and I'm like we did all of this together anybody can do this and um yeah so we've constructed these where you we give you the whole lifetime in two days and we build it really anywhere in the world and are there packages that are just sitting there for people? Like, have you already created, like, this is a really good one for somebody who wants to go hiking and this is really good for a foodie or someone who likes a theater? Like, is it plug and play or are you having to do that custom every time? You know, um, the, my heart is in custom travel because everybody's very different. So I have another business that addresses that and I can, you know, build anything for anybody. Um, we these have to work are very specific, like in order for you, because we, we put some really unique things in, um, it, we give you a very different way to see a city. They all have like pieces of a puzzle. So these are the only things that are sort of pre-constructed, but of course, say, you know, you're doing something and you don't want to do a private showing at a museum, you would rather cook or eat with a Michelin star chef, I can do that. You know, we can swap elements out, those types of things to make it, you know, easier for the, for the guest. But we just make it flow as seamless as possible so they can do everything without feeling exhausted. Now, speaking of exhaustion, a lot of people have trouble traveling. And I know you and I talked about this last week. I was <laughs> trying to calculate what's the best way to get out for a, a one-hour speech to Las Vegas and get back here without taking up four days of my life and uh, trying to recover because of the overnight. How do you not get exhausted on an airplane? There must be a trick to it. You know, I, I sleep well. I, I think traveling all over the place a lot, you know, has just taught me like I, I can sleep sitting up. I can sleep. You know? <laughs> I just I try to get a little bit of sleep. I stick on the same routine. I, I take lots of vitamins. So I make sure I do that. Um, you know, and when I get somewhere, it depends on what I have to do. But I, you know, I just pretend the jet lag doesn't exist. That That's my little trick. It's when I get there is when I get there. That is, in fact, the time of day. It's not, I never one of these people where it's like, oh, but it's eight o'clock a.m. where I am. No, no, no. Okay. You, you adjust to the time where you, where you are and you just move forward. You might be a little bit tired, but I always find that that's the best way. Just power through as, as you can keep going and get a great night's sleep that first night. One of the things you just did that I, I don't know, are we calling it a viral video yet? It's definitely very popular, isn't it? The one on how to pack and never check your baggage. Yeah, that, that was, I guess, interesting to people. I was surprised. <laughs> a lot of people like that. I, I would like to give it to my mom to be like, watch this and just replicate, say, a quarter of it and you would be successful, right? Because she packs everything. And, you know, a lot of people do that and losing bags. You know, I, it was funny when you were doing it, I was like, the last time I checked a bag on a business trip, I don't care so much if I'm going socially or not, but on a business trip, I had a keynote in Vancouver and I wore 
like jeans and a sweatshirt on the airplane, which I stopped doing that too, and got there and had no bags and had no makeup, nothing, no clothing. And it was like at eight in the morning. So I had to go on stage with jeans and maybe it was I was wearing yoga pants. Anyway, so I think <laughs> it is so important for you to share that with people on how to pack properly when they're going. Well, let me, let me tell you something. It only takes one of those experiences to scare the hell out of you to never want to check a bag ever again. Exactly. <laughs> I think we've all been there. And yeah, it can be traumatized. My, my most famous was, um, I was, and this is what, you know, I mean, I always carried on, but there was one time where I absolutely had to, um, was going on a, a longer cruise and, um, yeah, I mean, we misconnected the flights were a mess and I had no, no clothes on a Baltic cruise for seven with only oh. Russian heavy, heavy sweaters, like handmade, you know, sweaters in and uh, sweatpants in the, in the shop. So, <laughs> and you know something I will tell you, it doesn't matter. We had a blast. It's hysterical. I go back and every picture looks the same. I'm like, Oh, that's St. Petersburg. Oh, that's Helsinki. Oh, I'm wearing the same thing every day. And it's actually funny. <laughs> so, you know, you can make the best out of everything, but I still will never, you know, never, ever do that again. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, as you say, you only, it's one time is all it takes. And That's are it. you, because uh, you see a lot of people traveling, like are people getting frustrated out there? Like I, I find it very interesting to people watch in an airport. Yeah, you know, it, you see all types, I always say. It's just, it, everybody's got a different level of tolerance for <clears throat> delays for, you know, traveling with kids. and Everybody's different. I always say, know yourself, know your, you know, if, if you're not a person, don't book a morning flight and don't be cranky. You know, I mean, it really is, there, there are so many things you can do to make it more pleasant, um, little investments you could make, like an airport lounge or, you know, like a, a club. Um, those types of things to make your journey much more pleasant. So I always say, you know, just search out an expert, ask them for their tips. And you know, yeah. it doesn't actually be that bad. I mean, I think today's, you know, I mean, it, so many of the, the higher tech airports, I mean, have amazing shopping. They have all sorts of, you know, like pods for you to just go in and do your work if you need some privacy. I mean, I, I always found airports fascinating. So I'm, I'm definitely the wrong person to ask. I love being in an airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I know that people don't, you know, and, um, but they're really working hard, I, I say, with advancements to, to make it tolerable, especially when you have a delay. Well, and I think you were actually, maybe it's a client of yours or something about the airport lounges, because you were asking in our Facebook group. Correct. Some questions yeah, exactly. about that. Yeah. That's fine. I'm working with a team and we kind of banded together and we are, our mission is to upgrade the airport lounge experience. So we're working with some fitness companies, um, some potential uh, you know, tech companies to, you know, with guided meditations, even, and certain people who are interesting in that space, um, you know, to pre-record things and make like a branded uh, sub lounge in the lounge. So yeah, it's kind of exciting. I, uh, we're, we're looking at what is um, lacking, even in the world's finest lounges and trying to uh, create partnerships and make pathways where, where things can be integrated that can make it a lot more fun. Wow. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that because that, yeah. that would be really neat to see come, come out. Now, as if all of this didn't have enough on your plate, you <laughs> recently bought the mogul mom. Yes. Yes. I, in uh, January, I took over and um, yeah, this was a, a global community of dynamic, really, um, I would say very fierce, awesome spirited women who are um, entrepreneurs or would like to be. 
Um, you know, they are moms primarily and it's, yeah, it's been an interesting ride. It's, it's, you know, I've always been, I've always curated my own communities and I, you know, pretty, pretty decent community leader, I'd say, but, um, you know, this is the first time and it's interesting in a, in a business, I've always built everything from the ground up and this is my first experience ever acquiring something, you know, and sort of, um, being handed something like an audience uh, that I hadn't built. So it's been a really interesting journey reshaping things, building it my own way and adding people in that, that sort of kind of get me better. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, all, it's been a lot of lessons. And I love that because that's the thing about entrepreneurial life. Like you never really stop learning. You know, you're never stuck in your job like some people are, like the nine to fivers. You just, there's always a chance to learn. Right. And was it, I, I guess it would be easier to start and build something from scratch than to come in. As other people might be listening and going, no, 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 having it ready made <laughs> sounds easier to me. I, I'm seeing like it would be very, uh, I don't like to use the word stressful, but it, definitely different dynamics that maybe you weren't expecting or were you expecting? Um, you know, I had no idea. I just knew that like there was a synergy. I knew that this thing was orbiting my life uh, for a while. And, you know, I, I just knew I had to, and it was the absolute most <laughs> wrongest time, if I can say, <laughs> silly, but you know, it was in the middle of a, a divorce. I had to pay out a lot of money. I had a bunch of different things. I have to buy out my house. All of these things were converging at that same time. I had legal bills. I had every, you know, and yet I bought this because I, I just, it just felt right. And I found a way to do it. Um, you know, and it's, it's been interesting. I mean, I really, I love the concept and I kind of wanted to just have a portal where I really could help people, you know, I mean, I help my clients all day long, but, um, this was a much more global audience, a much bigger one. Um, and just kind of a way to, uh, you know, work alongside women and support women really. You know, in the in their dreams, because what happens when you become a mom sometimes is, um, and I see this a lot. You lose your identity, you lose your drive. Lots of times, you dip out of the workforce because it's just easier, you know. Um, and you start to realize when your kids don't need you, like they always need you, but you know, there's less and less. You know, as they get older, they're doing more. They're in more activities. You're not like strapped to the house with a toddler. Um, you know, you you wonder, okay, what's what's next for me? kind of thing. And, and it was really awesome to be able to connect with all these ladies and, and, um, and just kind of help them along with their journey. So it's been fun. Did you go through that when you were younger? Cause your daughter's 10 right now ish. Is she about she, 10? Yeah. She and is. so what about when were you at home with her for the first couple of years? Like, are you empathizing with these mompreneurs <laughs> who are, are just refinding their identity or did you say it's weird? <laughs> I I can I can empathize but sympathize no because I didn't go through it directly so it's you know it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic um but no 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 I've always been very I never stopped working ever like I, I started working right after college um I I I did um a graduate degree I got my MBA while I was working so I always felt like okay I can't leave because then I'll never get back in um right. you know and I was always in that mode where like I had a corporate job and then right after that I started my first business so um when she was born it was hilarious because I mean I was just working she my daughter was adopted so I was with her you know like right when she was born actually um so I didn't really have like um a physical need for maternity leave so to speak but um 
you know, I, I did it for like a good three, four weeks where I was just like, you know, I was working with checking in, not, not all the time, you know, but you know, here and there, and I had a good supportive team, but I have to tell you, it just, for me, it just didn't feel right. Like I needed to, to power through. I needed to, to use any time that I had to, to feel better, you know, and to keep my business going. So I didn't really take the time off, but I've always like, I make the most of my flexible time. So, you know, my schedule is very regimented, but even now to this day, I'm always present with my daughter. I take her as much you know, around the world as I can. And honestly, from three o'clock to nine o'clock, I am mom. I generally don't work. I'll, I'll get up at four or five in the morning to start work, but she is, you know, I'm the chauffeur. I'm the, I'm the everything. I'm the activity. <laughs> Anything and everything between like three and nine while she goes to bed is just mom time. So I feel like it's taken me a while, but I've, I've got a good balance. But no, I never, I never was the type to dip out, but it happens for various reasons. So, I mean, you know, and it, and it's hard for people to get back in, into the swing of work when they've been so long and they don't really know who they are anymore, you know, and that, that's a tough thing for to see. Well, and I think even before you have kids, sometimes people aren't totally sure who they are and then they have children yes. and I think it just becomes no idea what's coming. <laughs> right. It's like, Oh my gosh, now I'm really off. I'm pretty sure that doesn't work or, or you don't feel happy. You know, I've got a lot of friends who've gone through that and it's definitely a challenge. So I love that your resource is there for them. You mentioned that you went through the big D a divorce. Um, you said nothing was off topic or off limits. Yeah. And this is the resiliency ninja podcast. So that private story behind the public success story, because we do see you as an entrepreneur, a, a global leader, somebody who is make it out there making shit happen, right? And not, <laughs> yeah. not taking a backseat to anything. Well, maybe you'll share, like what happened and how did you keep going through that? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. No, I everything's open book because I think that what happens is people don't talk about this enough. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I was in a marriage that was just, I think because I operated a different like speed, you know, we just weren't compatible in that way, which is, you know, okay. Like I just like to do things very fast. He's more measured and, you know, my mind is more like all over the place. So I think, you know, for a while I was sort of just, you know, we were living almost like two separate lives and that, that can happen. The mistake, and I mean, aside from that, just being a mistake, that's not a way to live. A lot of women just don't talk about it because they're embarrassed and they're afraid to say, okay, my relationship isn't working or they're, I mean, this is all terrifying. Who doesn't, I, who wants to be without a partner raising a child? It's, it, that is not the first, you know, it's a tough option. You know, um, So to do that takes a, a really, you know, fair amount of, of, you know, self-reflection. And I think for me, what happened was I just, I had to live my most authentic life and I was tired of kind of like glossing over it. You know, when I looked around and I had a few things that happened and I was sort of like, I'm not happy. I'm just not, you know? So what do I do? Like, and then the, it's funny because everybody pretends and you see on Facebook, everybody's happy marriage and everybody's this. And some people really do have it. And I love it. I have friends that do, and I, I wish, you know, um, but many people don't. <laughs> and I think that just adds to, to like, you know, women not being able to empower themselves because they've got situations they can't really talk about with their friends. But the minute you start to open up, you realize other people are, are dealing with this, you know, and you might like have this incredible support system around you that you never knew you had. So 
I always just say, you know, I'm not advocating going out and like leaving husbands, but I think, um, you know, you really have to look at yourself and say, okay, am I super happy? Is this as good as it gets or is this as good as it's supposed to be or get better? And do I need to be free to be able to, to do that, you know, and realize my potential? So it's, you know, it's a choice for everybody. But for me, it was a really tough decision, but, you know, I knew that it was right. I didn't know what was coming after, but, um, you know, I, I knew it was right for me. And I would tell you the, the one main tip that I would say for any woman, okay, I think no matter what, no matter what your, even if your relationship is phenomenal, you always have to be financially independent. Mm. And I think for me, what, what, you know, why I didn't have this huge crash at the time um, was because I was always used to supporting things. I was always used to making money. I was paying the bills, like I was handling everything. So when all of a sudden that happened, I was almost like on track already. Like I, it wasn't such a shock, you know, <laughs> the other bills came as a shock, but I was already, I had things in motion already. I think the worst thing that one can do is just to sort of put everything in the hands of somebody else. Cause if, if something does shaken up, you know, it, it's tremendously more difficult to deal with. Right. And then you're less empowered to make that decision. And perhaps some women might choose to stay longer than they would have intended if they had the financial resources to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly right. And so where are you now? You're living the single life. You're doing a lot of socialing, <laughs> socializing, right? Heading around the world, spending time with yeah. your daughter. Life yeah, is good. I just travel. I always say travel, travel is the man in my life, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, it's just, yeah, it's something I really enjoy doing. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm very happy being on the road and I, you know, I have a lifestyle that allows me to be able to do that, whether it's work related or not. And, you know, a good network of friends around the world. So it's never, you know, it's always fun. There's always somebody around no matter where I go. And, um, yeah, it's enjoyable. And I think like, you know, what's, what's important too is as you know, when you do get divorced, you have a different amount of time with your, with your child or children you know, you've got to share time. And, you know, what hit me in the, in the beginning was sort of like, oh my God, what do I do with all this extra time? Like, you know, <laughs> this is weird. I'm not used to it. And, um, you know, so you just, you find your passion and you, and you just do more of it. So if I do find myself with a free weekend or a free three, three nights and I don't have any specific plans, um, you know, then it's usually just something that makes me happy, like a trip or if, if someone's ready to go with me, it's like, we just, we just go. So that's just kind of how I roll. A new level of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. You've made the, uh, you're, you're in successful businesses now. Oh, tell me about your first business that you started. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. Um, it was not very well thought out at all. It was just, you know, I worked for, for a company and then I got hired out by one of the accounts there. And, um, you know, instantly it was like the salary was more than double. So I, that should tell you how little I was making. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it was kind of like I learned as I went and there was no crash course. Like it was horrible, like, you know, managing cash flow and getting used to that and getting, you know, your quarterly taxes paid, being disciplined about that, getting health insurance on your own, which is just a nightmare. I mean, there were so many things to have to deal with besides that. So those were the tough times. And then I also had zero work-life balance. I mean, I had like a lot of friends at that time and, you know, but I mean, like I wouldn't do much. I would just get up, work out, work all day, all night. We go out, you know, like <laughs> a couple times a week and that, that was it. And it was just like fierce and head down and, you know, 
there were a lot of a lot of things I probably you know I, I wouldn't say I would have done them differently because I wouldn't have learned, but um, I did get sick for a while, and that that was really regrettable because I just I drove myself crazy, and um, yeah, I probably just might have might have taken the edge off a little bit, you know? <laughs> but it was interesting. Sick like adrenal fatigue and burnout. Super tired, and I I had I. I got mono in my twenties, which like who gets that in their twenties? And it was just it was horrific. I had never been through that, and um, it was scary because in the beginning they were testing me for all sorts of things, and they had no idea what I had, and it just turned out to be a simple case of mono. But mono lasts like forever, and um, so I was you know for like a good six months, it was tough to get up early. It was tough to you know do a full day, and yeah, I mean it was it was it was a challenge to travel. And how did you learn that? So let's let's talk about cash flow because I think a lot of mompreneurs, I think a lot of business owners in any like any gender, any world, any level of business, cash flow is the one thing that can really kill the momentum in a company, and it can, yes. uh, it, I mean, it can influence your attitude. Like there's just so many pieces of the puzzle to cash flow. So how did you figure that out? Well, I think, you know, what I, what I did, like my dad was really smart at this kind of stuff. So, you know, what I had done was, you know, just had like save some money ahead of like when I was going to start my own thing, you know, just save at least, you know, like what can float you for a minimum of six months, you know, try your best. You may not be able to, but, you know, get in the habit of putting X amount away every so often before you start. And that's like, that was probably the only semi planning that I ever did. And I think you, you need that because what happens when you, especially when you go out on your own, it depends on what kind of business you're in. Um, some people work on commissions. Some people work on, you know, you know, people paying them late. I know <laughs> just like the case all the time. Um, and nobody's going to give you that paycheck at your desk every two weeks. You know, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, you have to get really, really good at it. And I think the only way to get good at it is to have a, a horrible month or two or three where you're just absolutely freaking out and you know you can't put the pieces together <laughs> and you'll again like like the like the carry on you'll never do that again and right. um i think like you know play, trying to to plan and just to have a little bit of a cushion in the bank is my best advice in them because then you have a little bit of something to draw on during those hard times when people are in no rush to pay you well and i think even to that, I think one of the things, the keys to that is I would think your momentum and your attitude would not be one of desperation, but one comes from a place of confidence. Like I'm okay. And yeah. if, if you don't buy from me, I'm okay. And I can, um, I can weather this storm. It gives you a, a little bit of a different attitude, I think, going out into the place, into the world selling. It does. And I think like, you know, one of the lessons I learned, which I was not good at in the beginning was just speaking out and laying the groundwork right away. Because it's like really anything in life, the way that you go into something is the way that it's going to continue. It could be a friendship or relationship. If you let people walk all over you and, and cheat on you and whatever, you know, they're going to do it again. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and then that's why a client, you know, if they think that they can pay you 30 days late, 60 days late, then guess what? They're, they're never, whether you try to enforce it five, six months down the road, they're really not going to take you seriously. So you have to, you know, just because you want the client, it's great. You cannot afford to be so lenient and just say, oh yeah, you can, you know, pay me whenever. You have to start out just being very hardline or if you have to outsource your accounting and you don't want to do it, then, or, or just get a friend or make up a fake email address and pretend it's somebody else. You know? <laughs> That's great. 
that's I, hey, I'm, I'm not above that. But um, oh, I, I know a lot of people who do that. And sometimes it's, I, I get it, you know, they have good results because, you know, there's, there's no playing around. So I, I always say, go into it with just, this is a mutual respect thing. This is how I work. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver for you. And I expect you to deliver for me in the form of respecting the deadline for payment. Right. And, and do you think sometimes women have a tough time putting those boundaries in place, especially when it comes to money and accounts receivable and you need to pay me before I do the work? I think they do. I, I see it more often than not. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah, I do see it. And I wonder why that, like I, I do that with my coaching clients. I'm like, you've got to ask for the money. You've got to be strong, all of that. But wh what is it that's fueling this? You know, I think that, well, especially in the case of moms, I'll put it that we are always putting ourselves last, right? It's like everybody else comes first. Everybody else has to take, be taken care of. Everybody else's comfort is paramount to your own. And that's just the nature of, of that. You know, I'm the, we're caretakers and, you know, like I'll sleep on the floor. If there was only like one cot, you know, and I was in a room with my daughter, I'd, I'd sleep on the floor. Like that's how things go. So I think like we are sometimes afraid to say what we want and what we need, but this, this is in all aspects of life. You know, there are a lot of times where you can do it, you know, in any kind of, you know, <laughs> scenario, lots of times we just are, we're afraid to rock the boat. So we put our own needs, um, out of the equation just to make everybody else feel better. And like, that, that can be a problem. It can. And then we hear the stories, you know, you've got to do your self-care and take care of yourself and make time for yourself. And then the guilt sets in. All the time. I mean, mom guilt is the worst. I mean, any kind of guilt is, you know, it's terrible. But especially when I, you know, you're, I see so many women like, oh, I couldn't possibly go get a massage. I mean, like, why, why couldn't you? And actually my question is, why wouldn't you, if it, if it helped you feel balanced and you weren't, raging around the house and all, you know, dropping pots and, and, you know, like stressed about cooking dinner and all sorts of things. If you had a free hour or two in the day, why wouldn't you take better care of yourself? You know, and it just, it just makes you a better person, a better friend, a better mother, a better partner. Um, you know, when you do those things for yourself and I think it's, there's nothing, um, there's nothing horrible or, you know, about that and there's nothing selfish about it. And how do you make time for all that and include the self-care? Like, do you have a hack that really works for scheduling your time? Um, I, I'm definitely an early riser. So that helps because by the time, you know, people are sort of moseying around, like I've already done, you know, a lot of work and I've, I've presumably worked out or something like that. So, you know, I, whether I have to, you know, do the, the preschool stuff, you know, like the you know, getting to school stuff with my daughter and getting her up and stuff, that's not impacted. And I think, um, my, I'm a little bit different because now I, I have like a, a lifestyle where there are some days, you know, like, especially like every other weekend, I don't have my kid. There are times where I actually can fit that in, you know what I mean? So, and, but it's different than somebody who's, you know, working in an office, um, you know, runs home to get their kids. It is difficult, but I'd say if you're doing that and you are married, you have to ask your partner for the support you have to ask for help. You have to say, look, I need an hour to myself and, and not feel bad about it. You know, I mean, like to work those for me, I don't really have a hack. It's just, okay, whenever I have time or if I have a gap in the schedule and I, I want to go get a blowout or like my nails done, then, then I just, you know, because it makes me feel better and I'm not going to miss anything if I, if I've just taken that, that little bit of time out, you know what I mean? Where I, whereas I might've just been watching a show or, you know, doing something silly. So forcing yourself to make the time and just make the appointments. 
stick to them. You know, don't, don't keep saying, I have to go get my hair done. I have to do this. I have to like, just make the appointment. <laughs> and just do it. That's it. You cancel it. You know what I mean? And you're probably presumably not going to cancel it, you know, especially if you have to leave your credit card somewhere. And, you know, like a massage, they always want to take that credit card over the phone and you will go, you know, but you have to get the support where you need it. Right. And be willing to ask for the help. I would think that would be a challenge for some. And have you ever had a time where maybe because of the desire to people please, or for whatever reason that you ran into a problem with someone? I, I know that when we were talking originally, it was like, how do you learn to trust and not trust people? Yeah. I think with business has, has definitely shaped that up for me. I think I've, I have like, um, I, I, I kind of have like a gut instinct about people, you know, like a empath gut instinct. I think. Um, <clears throat> and I'm a Pisces, so <laughs> that just comes with the territory. But I think like, you know, divorcing the relationship, I'd say like, you know, when you're in business, you can be friendly with people, but they should not, you know, they're not your best friends. Right. And I think like a lot of us have a tendency to be like, Oh yeah, this person will never do this to me. Or this person will, like, guess what? When it comes to business and money, I have seen people do anything and everything. So I think you have to be mindful of that. Um, respect boundaries and, you know, make sure that you are keeping on top of things just to make sure, you know, like that you're doing your checks. And if you notice something, you know, you, you see red flags, don't ignore them. You know, like if you see something you're not comfortable with, or you see an attitude about something or an approach to something that doesn't quite jive with you, make note of those and, you know, and just try to work them out early on instead of winding up in a situation where you have a toxic client or, you know, you get like a wool pulled over your eyes, um, you know, because chances are that stuff is not going to be a surprise. You're going to have seen it coming in some way. Um, you know, so I would say take, take mindful note of that. Fair enough. And just know that when it comes to business, yeah, okay. people people can be ruthless. Business is business. And especially yeah. with mompreneurs, I find some of them will treat it like their business like a hobby. And mm -hmm. we want to get them to the point where they're like, no, no, no. Just because you're quote unquote a mompreneur doesn't mean you're not in business and you need to treat it as such. And that's when those boundaries yeah. come into place. Yeah, very you have important. To be all in. Yeah, if, if you're if you're gonna like just dip your toe in, it's not gonna happen. Like I see people that want to pick up like multi level marketing gigs, this and that. And they want to have like, and the majority of them fall off because you know they haven't. They expect that there's gonna be this abundance of business, you know, like centered around you, and you've really got to work for it. Nothing is ever handed to you. You really, really got to work no matter what you do. And the more it's like anything, the more you put into it, the more you're gonna get. Whether it's money or personal satisfaction or both. Yeah. And I, I do notice that, especially with the multi-level marketing, I think there's a huge opportunity for women who want to step up and do the work, but nothing comes for free and no. you've got to work it. It's like having a business. And I think sometimes people underestimate how much work that's going to take. All right, oh, yes. let's go into our five, which are now six questions. Sure. All right. A book that changed your life. Oh my gosh. I, I always like go back to it. It's so corny, but it's like, you know, everybody reads it. Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. I read like early on, somebody had given it to me. And um, yeah, I've just always been a huge fan of his, but that, that like made me feel all excited and on fire, you know, when I was much younger, I'm like, oh, I could do stuff like that, you know? And I just, I loved his attitude and he just made me laugh. And this is at a time where I really didn't know much, you know, about having my own business. So I, I really enjoyed that. And that, that definitely lit a fire. Awesome. Okay. Uh, a time in your career when you pushed through fear. 
boy, um, hiring my first person on my team. Ooh. It was really scary. And, you know, I was making a lot of money and I'm like, well, I don't want to share my money. <laughs> I don't want to share all my databases. I don't want, you know, it's all of that. And, you know, I realized that it was only going to grow if I made that decision. And that was, and I, I didn't want to be responsible for someone else's livelihood either. But, um, you know, I went into a measured, you know, measured approach and, um, but that was scary as hell. Awesome. Okay. And did you start with a full-time employee or did you contract somebody to start? Um, we start, it was like, she was working like 75% of the time. She still had like, kind of like a little side gig, but you know, her, her mind and her heart were definitely full-time with me. Okay. And is she still with you now? Yes. Wow. Good for you. A good first hire. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it was a very good decision. Well done. Okay. So next question, if you could change one thing that people do on social media, what would that one thing be? Bathroom size. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely no need for that. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. You win on that one. No, I mean, like, honestly, what I would, I would say is like, I think um, cryptic, vague posts drive me nuts. I would put that also Ooh. at the top of the list. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw the funniest meme. It was like, I can't even remember how it went, but it was like, oh, I really, I really want her back because of her snarky posts said no guy ever or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like, I don't know what it was. It was just so funny because I see so many people like doing, you know, like crazy stuff, like, or pointed at somebody they're mad at, like a girlfriend or whatever. Come on, you know, that, yeah, that, that would probably be my change. <laughs> I never understand that. Like, why would you want to not air your dirty lawn? I don't mean that, but I, I find it very odd behavior when all of a sudden somebody is normal on social media and then all of a sudden they've got this motivational post about, you know, how, you know, people who are bad will know who they are or like, I don't know, whatever it is. Right. And you know, it's directed at somebody they just broke up with or just had a fight with. It's very yeah, odd. Like, you know, I'm not, every, not every, you know, it's not the case with everybody, but there's oh, some people like I saw post the other day I was laughing and this girl was like, I've just had this tar terrible breakup with, you know, he put his name and blah, blah, blah. And it's been like this. And, but I, I really would like for you to respect our privacy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like we respect our, like, okay, who are you? Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I you know, you're not Lady Gaga here. Like, you know, give me a break. Like I think the paparazzi is going to be, you know, stalking you for the story of why you guys are not together. And I've always been very like private about major life events. Like I didn't post that I got divorced. I didn't post, you know, I mean like, I don't know. Like, I feel like until you go yeah. on the resiliency ninja podcast, and then yeah, I bring exactly. it up. like, I wouldn't be like, respect my privacy. I can edit it out, you know, but sorry. That's great. Okay. So next uh, question is because I've been teaching networking was my original stuff that I, uh, topic that I started teaching 12 years ago. So I love to ask people, what's your worst networking experience? Oh man. Gosh, I don't know. I think probably early on, I made like, you know, probably the wrong investments in some of the wrong events that it that didn't really serve me well. Um, I think any that you're going where you're just there to like pass out cards is is never a good investment you know what i mean um 
I guess like those types of things. And, and that was much earlier, you know, in, in my career where I was sort of just like, yeah, let me make some local connections. But, you know, I, I wouldn't disparage any particular group or, you know, association. I mean, I, I think it just depends on, on the mix of people, but like anything network is all about the connections you make and the follow-up. Right. You know, and I think like, like I, I much prefer events that are much more interactive or, you know, and cause I host my own as well. Like, and I, I get people talking, I make sure that, you know, I'm putting the right people at the right tables and, you know, and that, that people are connecting meaningfully, you know, even if I have to like put picture frames on the tables to prompt questions, I want them to all talk about things that are relevant, you know? Um, and I think that those kind of things, and sometimes they tend to be smaller as well. I think those are always good sometimes too. One thing, speaking of insight that Gabriella has offered to Resiliency Ninja listeners is the Mogul Mom Get Started course. And this is available. I'm going to be sure that the link is in the show notes. You can hop over there and get access to it. It's actually a value of $397 US. So uh, if you are someone who has dipped out of the workforce and have returned and want to go gangbusters and really just grow your business, then this is the course that you need. And you're going to get that uh, no charge because Gabriella is so thoughtful and generous. So thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. And now the most exciting news is that you have recently just had a new book come out. Tell us about it. Sure. It's called Just Fucking Do It. And um, I, as I mentioned before, I move really fast. Um, so it's really about the art of not overthinking. You know, if you have an idea, launch it. Nothing can ever really break that bad that it can't be fixed. Um, you know, launch it with caution, but with fervor. And, you know, I just give kind of real life examples of how I went through, um, you know, many I guess, iterations of my businesses and, and didn't slow down. Just when I saw opportunities, I just took them and went with them. And that, that has served me well most of the time. Awesome. I will be sure that that is the link to your book is also in the show notes for everybody to click on that, because I think we all need a little bit of just fucking do it. Yeah. in our souls every day. Now, where do people find you? Oh, sure. Well, I'm just at Gabriella at themogulmom.com is probably the easiest way. Um, I'm the Explorator on Instagram or you can friend me on Facebook. <laughs> you, um, but yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. Like, awesome. So I will be sure yeah. that if you are driving and you were not able to write that down, do not worry. I am going to put it in the show notes. The thing is, is that a podcast, any kind of community online only grows if people share. And I think there's been so much incredible information and insights from you, Gabriella, that I hope people will share and get this word out there and, and definitely take advantage of that free offer that you've offered to everyone. And the last thing we'll end on is what is your favorite empowering quote? <laughs> um, can I curse? <laughs> yes. I would say just fucking do it, which is uh, the title of the book. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, JFDI. All right. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. And enjoy uh, the rest of your day out there, Resiliency Ninjas. And we'll see you in the next episode of this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for tuning in to Resiliency Ninja with Allison Graham. We are thrilled to have you as part of our community. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always connect with Allison at r-ninja.com. 
and find important links to show notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace whatever obstacles come your way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.